over there, over there. Send the word, send the word over there. That the Yanks are coming, the Yanks are coming. The drums rum coming everywhere. So prepare, say a prayer. Send the word, send the word to beware. We'll be over, we're coming over, and we won't come back till it's over, over there. Listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 520. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Wayne as we continue our discussion of the Fox Sci-Fi series Fringe. And folks, the Yanks indeed are here. <laughs> so, anyway, little trip back to uh, the 19 teens. Yeah. And, and well, uh, it just re- reminded me of the James Cagney movie Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah. Which is about George M. Cohen, who wrote that that little ditty there. Yeah. Um, so, how's your week been? Um, yeah, better. <laughs> um, yeah. It's been okay, you know. I'm back to doing SAT prep this week, so, uh, you know, keep busy. Last week was a, I think, a, a, a sleep-a-lot kind of week. Ah, nice. Yeah, I was just talking to my niece who's going into 10th grade here at the local high school, and uh, she was telling me about, Getting started with SAT prep, I'm like, oh, I guess you're happy about that. She just, like, gave me the look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean it wasn't your idea? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no kid in that summer SAT prep class because they were like, oh, I really want to go into school for three hours a day for two weeks, you know? like, uh, yeah. yeah, no no kid ever no, said that. No but uh, anyway, a uh, reminder for you guys, we typically record Monday or Tuesday, so feedback needs to be in by Sunday, let's say 6 p.m. Eastern time. Audio feedback has a strict six-minute limit at this point. So uh, if you want to contact us, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can do it. If you want to record your own audio clip, do it that way. If you want to do it, email and have us read it, do it that way as well. All right, what are you watching this week if you had more time? Um, yeah, so do have a little bit more time. Um, so I got caught up with Secret Invasion <clears throat> from Marvel. Okay. And I don't know, I mean, like, I think I had mentioned the the first one. It was not super hot on the first one. It's I still give it a solid, it's okay. Um, it's definitely probably right now I would rank it at the bottom of the marvel tv shows that they've made so far um but it's it's getting better you know i just again like i'm not the whole shapeshifter thing that and we're seeing that in fringe a little bit too but you know we've talked about that um i also watched all of i think it's all of jack ryan season four um which is also a really cool show i've, I've talked about before on here um it's you know especially i mean i like that kind of thing like that Kind of, I guess you'd call it like a political spy thriller, maybe. Um, John Krasinski is great. He's just so really likable, but you know, also tough and cool 
as Jack Ryan. Um, is he better than my favorite, which is Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan? I don't know about that, but you know, he's does a pretty good job. The show is excellent. Very, uh, I think Carlton Cuse is involved with it. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, like season four, I felt like it was maybe not quite as strong as the other ones, but still like it was enjoyable. You know, it's not something you have to like, you know, you wouldn't spend hours. I, I, I would never want to like podcast about it. You know, it's not, I don't think there's really that much to, to say like about the depth of it so much, but it is very enjoyable and entertaining. So as long as the final scene didn't take place in a church, you were okay. Right. Okay. Right. Good. <laughs> um, Good Omens. Uh, I'm going back and watching season one of Good Omens because I actually read the book this summer as well. So um, it, that, it definitely adds a, a level to it because I, well, the first time I see it, I hadn't read the book yet. So there was some stuff that was a little maybe confusing for me. But I think I appreciate it a lot more this time around. And that is just, you know, I, I mean, I knew I liked it the first time. But as I'm watching, I'm like, this is a very, very well-written show. Like, it's just so clever and witty and everything. Just really uh, like it a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, again, kind of mirrors the I, – I believe Neil Gaiman was involved with the production of it. And he, I think he was involved with the writing of it too. So that obviously would help. And then – well, like a, one last thing is I'm also now reading uh, Chapter and Verse, which is uh, Bernard Sumner, who is the guitarist for Joy Division and New Order. Uh, his autobiography, and I'm probably I just got to uh, spoilers where Ian Curtis's death, uh, you know, brought about the end of Joy Division, the beginning of New New Order, um, and that is a really really good book. I don't know if you're a fan of either of those bands, but they're okay. My my brother in law is huge on music of that era. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's a little bit older than you, but not a lot. Okay, so. Well, you mentioned reading, and uh, I am rereading Three Body Problem, and I forget who brought it up, I believe, in the Facebook group because it's coming out on HBO Max, maybe. I forget what streaming service it's going to come out on, but it's it's a well-respected novel, uh, sci-fi novel by a Chinese writer whose name I don't really know how to pronounce correctly, so I won't even try. And I've mentioned before, probably the last time, you know, on, on this podcast segment that I read it, but I'm not sure if I know what it's about. And I have a little bit better handle on it. And I've got plenty of time before, I think that maybe it's the end of the year when uh, the series is supposed to come out, but working on that. And then I've mentioned the fact that we added Via Play, which is a Scandinavian oriented streaming service that we get through the roku channel and you know we got that for all our scandinavian crime dramas but i noticed the other day oh they have the original swedish version of humans titled real humans so i thought okay i'm paying for this let's check it out and it's certainly clear that the british version replicated the characters names of the characters plot lines pretty faithfully there's just something about, I don't know, the production values maybe that's, I guess, just not up to what I'm expecting. And in crime dramas, I, I guess it's something that I really like. Here, it's not that I dislike it. It's just, I, I guess it caught me a little bit off balance. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, so far it's going to be one of these shows that, you know, I'll just catch an episode here and there since, you know, I know where it's going. And, you know, the characters all have the same names. The main character is, is Anita. The human synth hybrid is Leo. And, you know, anyway, so it's, uh, you know, pretty good so cool. far. I've watched two episodes and, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll catch an episode here and yeah. there. But, that is a really, that British version is really good. Series, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But we have a lot to talk about. This might be my favorite episode of the season so far. I yeah, actually it was not, pretty, not, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is episode 21 of season two, titled Over There, part one, written by showrunners J.H. Wyman and Jeff Pinkner, also written by Akiva Goldsman, who directed this one, aired May 13th, 2010. Dude, it, this is a paradigm shift if there ever was one. Yeah, but, right from the jump, right? Right, right from the jump. But we're not really caught off guard for more than a second or two. And we know, oh, okay, we're over there. We're in the other yeah. universe. I think and, we figure it out. Like, like I mean, it says New York City or whatever. And I'm like, well, which ones is called over there, right? But then, like, we see Charlie right away. So it's like, oh, okay, well, that answers that question. Right. Uh, Charlie with the shaved head. Mm-hmm. We see Folivia. And and uh, for, I guess, newcomers to Fringe, that was a moniker that was placed on this character pretty early on in the series. And I think it just works beautifully. Um, yeah, that's funny because Walter, they actually call him Walter. And I can't remember if Folivia was a name that came up like you know through the fandom or that is actually something that they, you know, call her because I mean, obviously this there's, we, I mean, the minute we see her, we know there's going to be interactions here. Right. 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 And her character is clearly different in manner. So different. Oh my gosh. So, uh, you know, the, the interplay with her and Charlie and, and what's the deal? So, so this Charlie has, uh, spiders as well worms or something, or something right he's got well, yeah, yeah. he's like they're arachnids not worms which <laughs> kind of harkens back to charlie in the other universe when he had whatever that the worms that were growing in him if, if you remember that episode i don't remember that episode um, at all. And, and he was nearly he nearly died oh okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember that yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they came up with something that uh, Walter came up with, you know, some sort of a a fix, and then he would just poop it out, right, as I right. recall. Was well, the, uh, and we wonder because, well, Walter's not part of the team in this universe, right? So maybe, you know, Charlie had the same run-in, but didn't have Walter to fix it for him. Ah, good point, right. Yeah. Um, we're also introduced to a character played by Seth Gable, Lincoln Lee, and, you know, we don't have an equivalent on this side, at least at this point. Right. And I had to um, go back and check because I'm like, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen that, nope, we haven't nope, seen nope. that guy before. <laughs> yep. But I, I, yeah, I went um, back to, to look and say, okay, right. This is, the, this is our, this is, uh, we have not seen Lincoln Lee before this episode. Right. And then, of course, Astrid and Broyles in military garb was super cool. As, as and that scene between the two of them, as I mean, they might as well have had the digital countdown clock, right. you know, on the screen. Uh, you know, I needed—I forget his exact words. But it's like I need a decision. 
And she's like, I need more time. I need a decision. And right. Everything kept- is a lot more intense on this yeah. side. Like right. fringe right. is, you said military. I mean, the whole thing is much more militaristic, right? Like when they go in, like they go in with a team of armed guys. It's not just like in you know the fringe we see on this world where it's usually just Peter and, and Olivia and maybe Walter and maybe Astrid, you know, going in. They have a whole like team and stuff and things are much more serious over there. Yeah, I mean, well, they've got these cool vehicles with the, you know, with, with the logo on the side. But I got to tell you, I, I sort of like the uh, the Cadillac black SUVs that mm-hmm. fringe on our side have been driving. But but the interesting thing right from the get go, this fringe team on the other side has detected a tear in the fabric between universes. And then we learn that they have no idea there's another universe. They just think that on the other side of this tear is nothing, the void Mm -hmm. or whatever label they've placed on it. And that when they're read in to the reality of the situation by Walternet, you know, suddenly they're not joking around anymore. Right. You know, that's that scene where uh, the team's called in, to uh, be questioned by Walter and after, you know, they, they go to the opera house and she, you know, he, he says, agent Dunham, what's the, you know, what's the history of the fringe division? Okay. I'll play. He's the secretary of, I don't know, the the secretary Secretary. of of defense or whatever (laughs) he is, I guess DOD. And, and she's just really flippant in, in, in the way she addresses him. And, and that's fine. You know, on the one hand, our Olivia, she's not flippant like that, but she is kind of sarcastic at times when things aren't going the way she right. thinks they should and, be going. Yeah, you know, I th- I think about like okay, so why is our Olivia so serious and this one so like flippant's actually a good word, you know? Or certainly, she's a lot more like cavalier towards death, you know? The, the, like when they're in there and. It seems like this eruption between the universes could actually, I guess, explode or something. Um, they know they don't have time to get out of there, and she's like joking about them dying and things like this. So and I, I thought about it. I'm like, well, this Olivia doesn't have a Jacksonville in her past. She doesn't have Walter in her past. Yeah, so that's, that's I, absolutely true. Right? right? So that is probably like a major reason why – the Olivia that we know is so serious, and, and this one is just almost the polar opposite. Yeah, and interestingly, this one makes a point that she doesn't drink. Right. On the other hand, she makes a point of coming home after this incident, which you know, like you were alluding, nearly led to you know the deaths of. I mean, we get the idea of maybe tens of thousands of, of residents or whatever. And the first thing she did is like pulls off her shirt. You know, she's ready to go for it. And then he comes up with, uh, you know, well, I'll give you a back rub. And, um, and we're probably thinking like, well, dude, you don't even need to go the back rub route. She's already telling you. <laughs> That's how nice a guy he is. All right. I'm telling you. He's a guy but, who gives but, you a back rub before. Right. But, but this carefree, 
attitude in this Olivia is, like you said, in direct contrast to the one we know that that we do see drinking almost on an episodic basis. Well, we just saw it a couple minutes before. Right. And certainly not to the extent where it you know, uh, affects her job performance, but, but still we know she's doing it. Yeah. Or we suspect she's doing it to, to cope because she's not out drinking at a bar with friends. And, There's and literally no one else in that bar. Exactly. Um, so what the heck is a quarantine, which is, I think what you were kind of getting at, yeah. because that's, what that countdown scene is all about that if they have to execute a quarantine you know it seems to be pretty dire and apparently they had to do this in boston right and And bro's like we can't have another boston right so So it doesn't sound like boston turned out very well right so the definition of quarantine over there clearly is different from right. the because like you know, I, I know what quarantine means because we did it but i get a feeling like they're not just not talking about it. let's all go home and stay inside for a couple of weeks right um you know just so many interesting details here when when folivia's team gets to the opera house and i wonder or you've seen battlestar galactica right yeah Okay, you know, in, in the later seasons, you know, where so many of those pivotal episodes take place in that opera house. Yeah. And I wonder if this was done deliberately. I mean, you know, Just they could have Just waiting for picked, him to start singing all along the Watchtower or something. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, and they could have picked any place for, you know, the, the crossover. But, uh, but regardless, they're in there. And they see the guy with the, you know, all the pustules on his face. And, and of course, at least for me, it harkens back to David Robert Jones when, when he was trying to, you know, in his case, not necessarily move through universes. But I, I guess it's the same thing in that his molecules were separated and then recombined on the other side. And it, it of course didn't go well for David Robert Jones. Right. And well, the first thing it, I thought of was who it was like that James guy who had, right. was giving everyone cancer. Um, right. And it would pop up all over their skin. Uh, but I didn't, you know, cause I, I didn't remember at all that it was actually was James there, but that was the first thing I thought when I saw it. And, and that may have been, you know, a, a factor because, you know, when, they are given the night to do whatever they want. He chooses to go to a hospital and cure people. Right. So, you know, it is his ability that, you know, does he, you know, like uh, I'm immediately thinking like the sin eater. Is he the the illness eater? And yeah. is that how his power works or is it? You well, know, before, because I mean, we saw him before, right? He was giving cancer to people, but now right, sure. he tells Olivia that now he can actually cure people. Um, so it makes sense because we, we understand that here's a guy who probably feels the, a, a strong need to do penance, if you'll forgive my Catholic analogy yeah. oh, here. Oh, sure. Um, sure. You know, he needs to make up for what he's killed people. Right? He's killed quite a few people. And so now he has the ability to heal, and so he's actually able to, which is actually nice and poetic, and, and you know, so we know, kind of like 
you know, when he finally dies in the other world, at least he did so with probably a fairly clear conscience, uh, you know, especially yeah. after healing that girl in the hospital. Yeah, and even though Nick and Sally choose to spend that time in bed with each other, we don't look down on them. No, be- that's, because I think they that's didn't... a very good choice, actually. Right, right. But I mean, compared to you know what what James chooses to do, right. so they search James' body. That you know they go through his pockets, pull out a twenty dollar bill. Who the hell's Jackson? Right, and right. then. Suddenly, we see Prime Olivia, Walter, and and uh, who's the other dude hiding in the opera house, aware uh, that they're on the other side. Well, Nick. Wait. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Nick, Nick and, and, and Sally. And, right. Right. And, and James. James didn't quite make. Well, it. James didn't make it right. So you know, we're, we're like, all right, let's see how this plays out, and and let's see uh, who's on there version of the bill right. and and she's got this little portable scanner and i forget who gives it to her but their version of the 20 dollar bill is martin luther king right. jr well she says give me a junior give me a junior right <laughs> so well and I, I, that scene was such like that camera shot where the the camera pulls back from the the alternate team in there hovering you know examining James's body and the camera pulls back and then we see the people that we know watching them. That was like really cool. And that was the very unexpected part, right? Yeah, oh, sure. Um, so after that opening scene, then we go to the opening credits, which are now in red. In red, right. Yeah, yeah. So moving forward, if you are new to Fringe, just pay attention to the color right. in the opening credits sequence, and you know you'll you'll figure it out from there. Now you mentioned Olivia drinking alone at the bar, and I find it again fascinating that her gun is clearly visible. So she didn't go home or leave her gun in the car. Well, they're probably not supposed to leave their gun in the car. Yeah, I'm sure. And then somebody walks by and leaves a, a document for her. And I didn't catch it the first time. I remember way back and I, and I almost missed it the first time I, I watched it this time, but it's an observer. I not sure which observer. I, we can't I, really tell. I mean, I, yeah. I assumed it was September, but you can't, I, I couldn't really tell which one. It was. Right. But we see that happen. And then we, we cut to Walter who, who is just obsessed that something terrible is going to happen to Peter. Olivia looking at the sheet, which has that image of Peter with his eyes on fire or smoke coming out of him or whatever, but very troubling image. Yes. That document. So the way that sequence was edited, I thought was done really well. Well, one thing we're kind of skipping here though, is like, well, I don't know. Are you, you want to talk about Peter? No, go ahead. Because Ah, the reason she's in that bar by herself is because they watched the video of Walternet and uh, and Peter, and I believe they step out to the hallway, and he's basically like, "If you come with me now, you'll never be able to come back." And he's just like, "Let's go!" Like yeah. he doesn't even blink. He he doesn't really take. You know, you would think he would say, "All right, hold on, let me give me a day to think about this, right, or something." He's just right away, "Let's go," and that obviously is very hurtful to Walter. Clearly. But also to Olivia, right? Here's someone she, clear, you know, they had feelings for one another. We saw that. 
so when he just says, let's go right away, I mean, that that is causing her a lot of distress. Right. And then, you know, he I don't want to say he makes it worse. I mean, he's just telling her what he knows to be true, that the observer told him many years ago that Peter can never go back and and that his fear is that Peter's going to be responsible for the end of the world. Of course, that's, you know, at this point, she might as well have grabbed him by the collar, you know, tell me how to get him back. And, you know, as you allude, it's far more than a partner going to save a colleague. And also, given that information, we say, well, Walter... I, I guess, I don't know. Like, there's two ways. Like, the one side, we say, Walter, then why didn't you tell Peter way back? Why didn't you get in front of this story with him and tell him the story from your perspective and explain to him how he can't go back, right? Right. Um, because certain, But then on the other hand, you might say, well, maybe that's part of the reason why. Because he was afraid if he told Peter, Peter was going to want to go back when he, he can't. You know? So, I don't know. But again, it comes back to Walter you know, uh, perseverating with this story the whole time and not spilling the beans and, and opening up the Peter when he had an opportunity made things so much worse. Right. I mean, we know that at one time, Walter had the means to go to the other side. But as I recall, his equipment's all at the bottom of the lake. Yeah, but he made it once. Well, that's true. We know that the other side now has the capability but as it turns out, the way they get over there in, in this episode really comes together rather quickly. And we could say, well, why didn't Walter think about using Olivia to get over there? We know she's gone over there because she you know, went over and, and met with William Bell. And, and while okay, maybe she didn't do it deliberately and she still doesn't know how to harness her power and her ability, which is, is true, the whole idea of the way they do it in this episode, which is to get other Cortex fan kids and you know, form a circle. Well, nobody except Broyles and I guess maybe Nina knew that there were other Cortex fan kids still in play. Right. So, you know, once all that comes together rather quickly, like, okay, so now we have a means to get over there. Do we need a device? Well, you know, if Olivia makes it back and, and Walter makes it back, um, you know, you don't have Cortexafan kids because, you know, uh, James is dead. Mm-hmm. Nick is dead, presumably. You know, it does appear he was right. shot and killed. Uh, Sally. Is... Well, no, Nick blows up with with Sally. Oh, right, There's right. There's just right, a right, big right. charred spot left. Right, where, right, right. Where the right. two of them previously were. Right. So, right. Um, she did get her licks in on. She, uh, I dare say she did. And um, well, he'll be in the humidifier. I don't know what the. I forget what. <laughs> he'll be in the device for three months or so, but he'll make it. Like, yeah, that's going to leave a scar. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> well, let's see what else. Oh, William Bell. So, you know, we know William Bell's been on the other side, and we talked about in the past whether or not he comes back and forth, and nobody knows it. And I think we're, we're led to 
understand now is that no, he doesn't come back. Uh, Nina doesn't know as much as we thought she knew about William Bell at one time. I think, I don't know. I mean, I believe her when she says, look, I, I, I sent a message and I haven't heard back. And well, right. Cause well, though, you know, the cops show up instead of William. So that's suspicious, but ultimately he reaches out to Olivia and connects with her. It doesn't seem like, you know, we had always assumed that he was like some kind of all powerful entity, but now that we see him like on the other side and we've seen him on the other side before, but you know, when he's not in control of the situation, it doesn't seem like he's really in control, right? Well, we we don't know. We don't know how many times he's crossed over. We certainly are led to believe that he crossed over enough times that he's now concerned the next might be his last. So I'm going to stay put. And yeah, again, we don't know how well known William Bell is on this other side we suspect pretty well known but uh, we don't know for sure at, at this point i don't do we know whether or not he's got anything to do with massive dynamic on this side now i can't remember because you know i when olivia olivia met him at massive dynamic though right yeah i'm pretty sure so i would say yes okay but as far as like you know again but you know when he he shows up like olivia's outside her own apartment watching herself hooking up with a dude which is you know like we haven't seen that happen for olivia since the pilot well that's true right so, and you can see her you know you just totally almost like the like as if the thought bubble is appearing over her head like being like why isn't my life like this how come i can't be like this you know well, well you know and you wonder what it is she's thinking about what she's seen so far because on the one hand you mentioned faux Livia joking that you know i probably should have updated my will since i might get blown to bits in 30 seconds yeah ha 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 and then we see prime olivia give that necklace to ella as if she's saying goodbye right possibly because she knows that this is not an ordinary mission and then when rachel sees the necklace and olivia gave that to me it's almost like that that horrified look right that she knows she's saying goodbye right What's because the it's deal? her mom's necklace so she and she knows that and she's right, like right but it's almost as if there's something even more powerful about that act than simply, you know, it is like people give their stuff away right before they think they're going to die or whatever. Okay, fine. I get that. But I don't know. So so it, it, it's a, the two Olivia's kind of approaching impending death differently, which much differently. Right. But given well, then, sorry, what we've ahead. seen of the new one, you know, it, it, it's fascinating to watch. It is. And. You know, we might as well say at this point, like a, a incredible acting job by Anna Torv, yep, fabulous writing job by the writers because they have to write this character. It's not just like just give 
her the same lines that they would give the regular Olivia, right? Yeah. So sure. they have to write for her to be a completely different person. And the Torv has to play her. And it's not just putting on a red wig, right? I mean, it's just, this is a fundamentally different person. And we understand that really soon. Like, almost immediately, we say, this Olivia is not our Olivia, like, even a little bit. Right. And it's not the shapeshifter kind of problem that, that I think both of us find kind of problematic that, well, you never can really trust who anybody is. But here we know Folivia has red hair and bangs. Uh, Prime Olivia has blonde hair and, you know, no bangs. Uh, Walter Knit wears tailored suits and, you know, ha- has a more coiffed hairstyle. And, and our Walter is borderline disheveled at, at, at every right. point. So, well, and Walter also is mentally together, right? And everything. Sure. Is. The Walter that we know is, you know, is yeah. scatterbrained. Yeah. Again, just amazing acting job by John Noble playing yes. essentially two characters. And while at this point, you know, Astrid and Broyles, their characters, uh, you know, Jessica Nicole and uh, uh, Lance Reddick, their characters are much more familiar with the characters that we know. Well, and, and not Astrid, no. Well, okay. She's, she's like very almost, she's like almost robotic, I would say. Well, okay. Okay. I can see that. I, I guess I might say focused, but I, I, I can see what you're saying for sure. One of the scenes that I, that I don't want to you know get to the end of the podcast and and forget to address it that the team is brought together. Uh, you know, Walter now knows that there are other Cortexafan kids, and that emotional scene where they recognize him, and I mean, he he, he just you almost want to see him get down on his knees or, or, or not want to see him, but you, you half expect him because he, he's just so emotionally fragile at this point because he knows what he did to these kids. But then in the next breath, after saying that we had noble purposes, today's the day for which you were created. And once he explains to them, and I, again, I forget who it was, might have been Nick, that says, you know, on the other hand, you made a special. And that they are willing to risk their lives to save the world. Well, yeah, and, you know, the almost response to that might be, what are their lives as they are right now, you know? Yeah, and we don't necessarily get a sense of what it is. We, we certainly know that they're not being, I, I guess you know, subjected to things, you know, no, but they're, they're, they're locked up. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, not, I guess you're right. I I mean, I mean, not not locked up might be, but you know, they, they are not able to go out like, you know, like Nick and and Sally, like, Oh, we get a night off. Let's go have sex. You know, like it doesn't, I mean, maybe that's something they were able to do otherwise, but you know, it just seems like they aren't able to be at Liberty. Well, that's true. Right. right. They probably don't have the ability to leave the facility whenever they want and come back whenever they want. So what 
perks they're given. Uh, like you said, though, they probably have very little choice. So, right. But that you know, you know that that is the one part. I know you you they've got like what forty two minutes right to get this sure. episode in. If they were able to extend it by like five minutes, you'd think there would be that transition from Walter saying, "Here's what we got to do," to them saying, "Okay." You know, you would think it would be like maybe a, a little bit longer, and I get they can't make it longer. Like you, you got to get keep the action going, and you don't want a scene with like Sally, James, and Nick just sitting here at a table mulling over the decision to do this. But you know, I don't know. That might have it might have worked a little bit more for me because it just seemed like that they, I, I mean, they're they're traumatized by what Walter did to them. James sure. is super angry about it still. But um, I love the fact that he now chooses to help other people, that right. that he's learned to harness his gift, his ability. Uh, you know, whether he sees it as a gift, we we don't necessarily know. We don't see him long enough to, to you know, to learn that. Well, it's and, a gift. He, he cures a girl, right? The girl who looked like well, she's sure. in really bad shape. He puts his well, hands on her and she's... Well, yeah. I mean, it, the girl receives a gift, but, you know, I mean does he see it as a gift from Walter or just merely an ability and right, that okay. then he's able to True. give that gift. And I forget which one. I think it's, it's James that says, I know who you are. Um, I'm not that man anymore. Yeah, you are. No, well that Nick says, well, oh, he that- seems like he's different. And James is like, no, nah, he's exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. You know, which um, I thought was like, out of all the lines of this, I thought that was Awesome. I well, was okay. such a good line. Okay, well, I'm going to raise you this one. Okay. Well, if none of you are going to kill me, I think I'll go have a bit of a cry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there were some idea. great... Yeah, you know, I mean, the writing in this episode was... Oh, it was, was outstanding. Just, it was yeah, outstanding. yeah. And, and just the, the, such an emotional scene, and that's how we get out of that scene. But you, and then it, if, Sorry, I'm just saying, part of it is like, the, we've, we've talked about so much about how we we see Walter in the past and we've seen him in the past, right? And how he seems so different. But then really, you know, I mean, we've noted this before that like, well, he's not completely different than what he is now. You know, he's maybe a little bit more forgetful now, but, you know, a lot of the stuff we see with Walter in the past and Walter now, not hundred percent that different. So when James said that's like just such an awesome, like basically hitting it on the head, like that dichotomy about Walter, how he's kind of different now, but you know what? He's kind of the same. Yeah, sure. Right. And, and the other thing, you know, we know that Peter has been trying to get Walter some sense of independence. We understand that you know, that has to happen. I mean, obviously the roles are reversed. It it very often might be apparent that, well, I'm getting older. I'm not always going to be here. You're going to have to learn to fend for yourself. Obviously here the roles are reversed, but we see Walter and it appears he's doing laundry, which we're thinking, mm-hmm. well, okay, this is kind of new. Sure. And then he's, he's smelling Peter's clothes and it's just so emotional because yeah. because we know and it's almost like i'm not going to wash it because i don't want to wash that smell because he may never come back i may never get to you know be close enough to my son to you know to to 
to smell him. And, and, you know, it's just real, again, a really powerful scene that's just executed so, so brilliantly because it's in its simplicity. So, right. Uh, let's see what, uh, oh, oh, you know, we mentioned the Olivia giving the necklace to Ella and then Rachel comes into the room and, and Olivia is hugging her and okay. I mean, this Olivia Dunham is not a hugger. No. <laughs> and you can see Rachel's a bit surprised. Olivia says, we should do this more often. And Rachel doesn't even know what to make of it. But then after her sister's gone and she sees the deal with the necklace, it's like, oh, this is not good. She's probably yeah. thinking. And she would be right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, because, I mean, she sees it. She knows the importance of that thing and knows that Liv would only, you know, would would not normally give that away. Yeah. Did you like the way they let the team know that they made it to the other side, you know, looking up through the dome? I, I thought it was pretty cool. That was very cool. Yeah. Because it was innocuous, right? Like the, 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 the nothing changed. Like all of a sudden that one minute they were there and the next minute it seemed like they're, you know, like, there wasn't a big flash or anything. They just look up and all this. Well, actually, I think James collapses. Right. Uh, Sally collapses because she's not feeling well. And then they look up and they see a Zeppelin. And it's like, oh. Right. Because at first, like you said, for all we know, they think it didn't work. Right. Because, you know, we're, yeah. we're in the same place. Exactly. And so, it's you know, like as Brandon said, it's not like you, something happened to you. It's just the world passing through you. Right. Sure. Right. Which, okay. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. And, I didn't bother uh, trying to wrap my head. around yeah. that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I just kind of let that one go. We talked a little bit about faux Livia's team. Well, actually it's Lincoln Lee's team. He, he's the, uh, right. the, te- the team leader with, with Charlie and faux Livia and they're, they're brought in to see, alternate because of you know this incident and the fact that that twenty dollar bill triggered uh the dod and okay so then he reads them in on what actually is happening here and and like we said this is the first they've heard of a parallel universe which is crazy right right like i'm like is he really are they just learning about the parallel universe now that is well he's not but no but I, i mean the team like right, Olivia, Charlie, you know, like, and Link. I mean, we don't know who Lincoln is for anything, but I mean, like, still, this is the fringe team, and they are just now finding out that there's a parallel universe, which we've known about for like so long that it's just crazy to think that they have not known about it. Right, and we don't necessarily know what they do about a tear in the universe when they find one, do they have a plug that they can, like, you know, quarantine everyone go home. Well, oh, yeah. wear masks and, uh, right. don't, uh, you know, close down all the stores except for the liquor stores, at the grocery stores. In, well, don't forget injecting bleach that, that works. Yeah. Right. That, well, that is a very important part. Okay. Um, oh my God. He did say that, didn't he? Yeah. Good I have, you know, I, I just I can't to believe s- that that effing guy was actually the president of this country. Oh God. Damn it, Dave. <laughs> well, my, my personal favorite was uh, that, uh, the continental army, uh, took control of the airports uh, and, uh, 
Anyway, yeah. um, if, if if he gets elected again, I'm a Canadian, hundred oh percent, man. Oh Ken, I'm coming for you. Now, you know, I, I mean, clearly somebody other than Walternate knows about the alternate universe. So we don't know how high up the chain you had to be to be read into that information. But yeah, like you said, we don't know. Is this the A team? You know, for uh, you know, dealing with these these fringe events. I mean, it kind of seems we that way. Assume so, yeah. Yeah. So you y- you do think it would be kind of odd that they haven't been read in before now? But I guess the argument might be that these events are becoming more frequent and more perhaps powerful, more dangerous, whatever. Uh, so we don't know that yet, and and you know, we may in fact find it out. I. That's one of those things I can't I can't remember. But no. now he claims that he wrote ZFT. Yeah. Like, okay. And and ZFT on the other side, we know is written by our Walter. Right. Okay. I was, I was I was like, did we we did know that, right? Like, yeah, because they they found the the the, the typewriter. typewriter. So yeah. So we know. Yes, Walter wrote ZFT. Yeah. Right now, Walter it except it them, was not a bestseller in our world. <laughs> right. And people didn't read it at like you know, the fringe or whatever academy they go to, you know, it's not required reading. Right. It was only uh, Peter's sketchy book selling friend that uh, was able to track down a copy. But Walternet blames the other side on these events. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong, right? He's kind of right. Which then, and he, of course, talks about the fact that the invaders are not peaceful now that may be a bit of a stretch but who's the villain here walter or walternet because the latter i mean he's not wrong in seeing the other side as invaders we don't necessarily know how much he knows well i mean does he know it was just walter that came over snatched peter and went back and that it wasn't this uh, first step in a major invasion. We don't know what he knows. We, we don't. We don't know that. But in answer to your question about the villain, you know, even like Walternet, by just by existence, should garner our sympathy, right? A guy whose child was taken from him just out of the blue, and actually, he probably we assume he probably figure it out right he goes home to his wife where's peter i don't know you came and got him i didn't come and get him what you talked about uh you totally did you showed up and you took peter with you and then you know how long is it going to take a guy as smart as walter to, to, to sort it out right right but you know so here's a guy who you think would have a lot of our sympathy right but the the way especially the way john noble plays him as being so like kind of like just very formal and off-putting and everything. And then at the end, when we see he has a copy of, you know, he shows Peter the the um, the drawings for the machine. Right. Minus Peter's eyes being burned out, right? Right. But at the end, we see that he has a copy. So we see that his plan is to put Peter in there. I'd say we got our villain. Right, because that was my next question: Is Walternet planning to sacrifice Peter in this war against the other side? 
kind of looks like it, doesn't it? It does kind of look that way. Well, we get the long-awaited reunion between Peter and his mother. Yeah. And I I don't know how it could have been executed any more perfectly. It was good. There's, There's no reason that Peter wouldn't recognize this woman as his mother because she looks exactly the same. And she's albeit. on Picard. He'd be like, oh, aren't oh. you really on Picard? Like, <laughs> um, well, you and Fred know that, but uh, yeah. maybe Alan. You should um, too, dude. Yeah, you I should know. too. I uh, know. So, you know, you see that she just wants to just run up and hug him, but she doesn't know yeah, how he's going to react. Right? It's like and awkward. It just go- and, yeah. But but it's not awkward for very long. Right. And, and, and you see he reciprocates in the same way. And then she's like, I didn't know if you liked bacon. And and then he's like, you know, I always felt like I liked bacon, but I didn't trust my memory of it. Yeah. Well, his mom was a vegetarian, so right, she never made right. it for him, which is a effing crime in and of itself. I'm sorry. You can be a vegetarian, but to deny a kid bacon, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got to agree. I mean, even though I'm not a big bacon eater anymore. Um, still. Yeah. It's a, a you good, smell uh, bacon cooking right now. You'd be like, all right, yeah, hold on. A good, a good uh, <laughs> bacon, lettuce, tomato, and mutton sandwich. I mean, come on. That was, uh, all right. Anyway, so, uh, so, so, you know, that's just a great scene. And then when he kind of awkwardly says, oh, you don't want to hear about my mother over there. And she's like, no, on the contrary, I want to hear everything about your life. Was she good to you? Was she, you know, and Peter's like, she was great, you know, but she was sad. And, and we understand that. So, I I mean, as a mother who, you know, lost her child for this long to know at least the woman that raised you took good care of you has to be some comfort. Sure. And and it does appear that way. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Like, I mean, Orla Brady is awesome. She's so good in Picard, too, but she's just right here. She's just so, so as being like one character that we can be very sympathetic. Because even Peter, like, I'm not sure how much I'm down with Peter right now. Okay. You know, I get like his decision, but like such a snap decision to just go to the other world. Like, you know, dude. I don't know about that, you know, but with, uh, with his mother here, when he finally meets her and the, the humanity just leaking out from her, it's just really, really well done. Well, again, well written, well acted, just, you know, really great. And, um, and, and the way this episode transpires, I mean, we know certain things have to happen. And, and, and yes, we've seen, we, you know, so many of us have seen the entire series, so we know, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, all right, when our Walter collapses outside a hospital with a gunshot wound, he's going to be taken inside and everybody's going to think, oh, this it's is the secretary. secretary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's going to cause alarm bells to go off. So so we get that. To say you the know, least. Yeah. Right. So we know, uh, I mean, we certainly suspect that the two you know, Olivia's are going to come face to face at some point. I mean, you know, it's almost, how can they not? Will one be misrecognized as the other? Unlikely, 
because of the the radically different hairstyles. But it's already happened, and like I mean, because Olivia, she met. I'm, I'm not wrong, right? She, like in season one, she like crossed over. I think interacted with Charlie. Um. Yes, because he had that that goofy hat, and you yeah. said that's a cool hat. That's not goofy. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 See, a little English driving hat or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. I forgot about that. Um, so you know, it's just like you know, if you saw someone that you know and like their hair is a little different, you might be like, you might not even comment, especially if you're. Well, let's face it. If you're a guy, you probably don't even recognize that the hair is different. Right, uh, but in the unlikely event that a male would actually recognize the change of a, in a female hairstyle, we probably wouldn't say anything about it. A, out of fear of being wrong, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and B, out of just plain stupidity, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah. Like, I mean, like she's actually this actually happened before when she's been mistaken for for Olivia before. Right, but yeah, so. Somebody's going to see somebody at some point. Yes. Uh, so whether it's Lincoln Lee comes across Olivia Prime, and you know uh, something about your hair, but you know, so whatever it's going to be. But in the here and now, we know there can be no way that alarm bells aren't going to go off when Walter's taken in the hospital and placed on a gurney and taken to an operating room because the secretary of whatever has been shot. So, you know, and, and who shot him? Well, that's, that's a whole other issue that that's going to, you know, come about. So we shot Jr. All right. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Not that we're dating ourselves with that one. (laughs) So suddenly Folivia's team descends on Olivia gunfire ensues. And we assume incorrectly that it was william bell that that turned them in so it it clearly was something else Uh, what that is we don't necessarily know how did they know to go to the park well you know we don't know what kind of surveillance capabilities they have pretty i would think pretty good like their technology is way more advanced right than ours and they weren't able to take the bus they had to walk so it's not like you know like Hey, I just saw two dudes and the girl who was like smoking and not like in the like literally there was smoke coming off of her head. That's unusual. Maybe I call this into somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So and, probably and, they weren't too difficult to track. And, and, and that was another uh, you know, kind of poignant scene when Sally tells Nick that she wants to stay in this world as if she senses she's gonna die here. And yeah. and of course we know he's not going to leave her if it ever came to that of course it 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 doesn't and then you know that that scene again where walter realizes he's been shot and of course it's walter well i guess i didn't get hit in the spinal cord because i'm still walking so (laughs) (laughs) you know so that's good yeah and then when we see you know mentioned faux livia going home after this just near catastrophic event first thing she does is pulls her shirt over her head and we certainly are meant to focus on her tattoo. Right. Because well, to the, our knowledge, the Olivia we know, and, and we've seen Olivia in her underwear when, when Walter would put her in the tank. Yeah. And I think if she'd had a tattoo, we would have noticed. Right. 
But well, the, the dude has, you know, her, her partner also has the same tattoo. So they got matching tattoos. Okay. But okay. you're right. They, they make a point of showing that. So like, okay, like you can change your hair, but, you know, the tattoo is going to be something that's in the future, right? Because again, yep. obviously, you know, the, the, the amount of stories that can branch from what we have now are multifarious right sure loads of ways they can go with this but we know that there's a definitive way that we can tell the difference between faux olivia and olivia because only faux olivia has the tattoo at the base of her neck yep all right what else yeah not a lot left i don't think (laughs) i don't know we uh we covered a lot that's for sure oh the show me's yeah the id that their ids right they have a show me right uh that's why they can't take a bus like you have so again this is a world that is much more militant much more militaristic much more i don't know like ours today i guess uh where you're under much more surveillance where you can't even get on the bus without scanning your id that's one of the things i've learned about england or certainly london it it does seem as if there are surveillance cameras everywhere i mean if these british crime drama shows are to be believed (laughs) right well even here in baltimore right because we had the the squeegee kid yeah sure shot the guy they were basically able to follow the kid i think all the way back to his house yeah on surveillance so even here in, in dear old baltimore like we are there's cameras everywhere right yep the uh, broils bursting in the massive dynamic, right? That's pretty cool. Don't even think about it. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. God damn. Lance Reddick, you were the man. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I think, I think maybe we got uh, most of what I, at least I don't like, I'm not saying we've, we've covered everything, but you know, like uh, pretty much everything that I think I have, I have notes on. All right. Well, let's get to listener feedback. And we will start with Fred in the Netherlands first. So let's hear what Fred's got, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the Fringe episode. Over There, Part 1, Season 2, Episode 21, or, according to IMDb, Episode 22. First off, I have some questions about the strike in the United States. So the writer's strike and now also the actor's strike. At the moment San Diego Comic Con is running and a lot of actors are not allowed to talk about present or future work. Uh, They are allowed to talk about uh, previous work but not about present and future work. Is that a union thing or is that actually from the movie companies coming? I assume that it's actually coming from the unions because they don't want to have extra advertisement for the products because they want to squeeze the companies. And is everybody actually in the union? Uh, In the Netherlands, we have, of course, unions uh, for everything. But there are also people who are not a member of a union and they are uh, sometimes even working, although there is a strike. So the so-called work-willing employees or is it almost impossible not to be a member of the union and the social pressure is too high on that and in that case everybody is a member so then the strike is complete 
So question is, how powerful are these unions actually? Just for my European understanding. What am I watching? Apart from Fringe at the moment only Star Trek Strange New Worlds, in which there is Carol Kane, and everybody talks about her as she is a celebrity. I looked her up on IMDb, and she has 166 items there, series uh, and movies, of which I have seen none. I do recognize four of them as, okay, I know about them, but the other 162, I don't even know what it is. Of course, she is a comedian, and I don't like comedic series or movies that much. But there you see how you can land up in a difference between European viewers and US viewers. Because if you look, for instance, in the after show, The Ready Room with Will Wheaton, Every actor that plays opposite of her is about, oh, I am allowed to work with or play opposite of Carol Kane, wow, etc. Well, I'm not impressed. <laughs> I don't know her. About last week's episode of Fringe, I gave it, by joke actually, an A, because I had recognized the figure, the blurry figure on the bridge as Walter. That's why I gave it an A. But indeed, I didn't get, like Dave, that it wasn't Newton uh, who killed these people or one of his henchmen. And that, of course, is a very bad thing. So I will diminish it to a C plus or something like that uh, with this as a fact. Because if that's true, that is indeed crazy. Last week you wondered whether I would have a difficult decision to watch just The Other Side Part 1 and not Part 2. Well... That was not a problem. I have watched one six days ago and probably will watch two later today. Okay, about this episode. When the opening scene is there, you of course immediately know that you are in the alternative universe because we see Charlie and we see a different Olivia. She immediately reminded me, of course, of Tatiana Maslany playing this character quite different than the Olivia we know, so... Kudos for Anna Torv. Must be a nice episode, by the way, for Brian Tickerberry as our Zeppelin driver. There were a lot of airships slash Zeppelins in this episode. After the credits, there is a scene where Walter is watching Walternate disappear with Peter into the other universe. And it's just a flash. So what about all this equipment and being over in on a bridge and a lot of effort and difficulty and it's just a flash and they go to the other universe? Uh, what the heck? Way too easy in comparison to what happened all before. The same is true when the four Cortexafan children are going to, or adults, standing in a circle. That's enough to transfer to the other universe? Also, way too simple. When Olivia is drinking in that bar and the observer leaves a piece of paper for her on which we see a device and we see a picture of Peter with a kind of steam out of his eyes. In the background it's all G-A-T-T-C-A-T-C, so that's DNA. Sometimes as a geneticist I get annoyed by they always use DNA as some kind of mysterious uh, background. The drawing of the device reminds me a little bit of Dark by the way. Coming back to my predictions, we see here that Peter really connects to his real mother. So if he finds out later that his mother on our side kept him over here, perhaps his feelings for her will change. 
I thought, where do I know this Frank from? The alternate Olivia's boyfriend. The actor is Philip Winchester. He plays Scott Tracy in Thunderbirds live-action movie. I wonder how we should call the alternate Olivia. Olivia Nate? Okay, there is much more to say about this episode, but time's up. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Fred, it's my understanding that, that yes, it's a union thing with the writer's strike. Yeah, it's and, definitely. Yeah, and I think you pretty much nailed it. I do well, believe... They, the, the actors for Oppenheimer, they were having the premiere, and the actors got up at the beginning of the premiere and just walked out and left because that's when the strike started. Okay. And I do believe you have to be in the union to work on these movies and shows. I am like shows. 99% sure everyone has to be in the union, yeah. Yeah. So It's called a closed shop here in America. Okay. Learn okay. that in uh, civics in ninth grade. But yeah, I mean, it, they, they do have a, a pretty powerful uh, union that, that uh, I don't think we're going to see any people crossing that picket line. Um, things will no, come to a standstill. work ever again once things are Right. And it's my understanding that that uh, Canadians, uh, European productions are apparently standing in solidarity. I, I don't want to say all European productions, but I have read that, that you know, that and I guess maybe it's, you know, in the age of, of streaming where, you know, a, a service like Netflix is, is has such an international flavor and they're not alone. Uh, Max is that way, Showtime. Right. So, uh, again, I don't want to say every country, but many. So, I don't know. What do you think about his Carol Kane comment? You know, I am a big Carol Kane fan. And I guess if, especially, I, I would say if you really want to see the best Carol Kane, there's two things I can advise. Because she's been in loads and loads of stuff. Um, well, she was in the, uh, the Kimmy Schmidt, uh, show that was on Netflix, which is hilarious. That, that show is great. The, I can't remember what the, it's, I can't remember what it was like the, you were probably, uh, it was the something Kimmy Schmidt, but it was, it was a great show. Carol Kane today. Unbreakable or? It was on something. Yeah. Un- I can't remember. Okay. But, um, Taxi, obviously. Yeah, of course. was the first one. We saw her here in America, sh- uh, show great fabulous uh sitcom uh carol kane played simca and that and also the movie scrooge was a pretty popular part she's only had a small part in that but she's been in loads of stuff i think she's great uh she's super hilarious uh her character in strange new worlds is awesome dave you have got to watch strange new worlds dude just take take the plunge get get the get the i think you get like a you might get like a whole month, even I think, of, of Paramount Plus for free to start. But man, you got you got you got to check it out, dude. Um, but yeah, she's great. Love Carol Kane. Um, and then you know I agree that travel for Walter and it seemed a bit too easy, and that uh, you know Fred brings up the the DNA scribble or whatever it was on the, on the blueprints, and I'll just say the the DNA becomes important, and we'll just leave it at that. Anything else about Fred? Uh, no, I think we're good. Okay. All right, let's go to Alan in England. We'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and everyone at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Alan from England here, mostly with feedback about Fringe episode Over There, Part 1. What I'm watching is uh, still Strange New Worlds, this time with a kind of 
Next Generation Ethical Dilemma. I finished Silo Season 1. Absolutely excellent. Thanks very much for the suggestion about that. Would have loved to hear your podcast views on it. Uh, Maybe next season. I hear Season 2 has already started filming. Started Ragnarok Season 1, Episode 1. So far so excellent. Love the Norse mythology references And, of course, your podcast insights, which I'm listening to as I watch. We'll be ready for season three by the time you are. Also just seen, there's a new version of Quantum Leap available on Paramount+, Plus, so we'll be checking that out at some point. In Fringe, episode 22, Over There, part one. Of course, Over There was a reference to, and in fact there was a song about, American troops being in Europe during World War II. In Fringe, of course, over there means an alternate universe, from whichever perspective you have. I love how each main character strides in, in a very dramatic way, from different directions, like they're Avengers assembling or something. Charlie's back, and not just in a we-mixed-up-the-episodes way, but a, he's properly back uh, with added bugs. Folivia, with red hair and a real swagger. Lincoln in a commanding way. Broyles, well, Broyles is still pretty much Broyles in any universe. Alternate Astrid is very different. The actress really makes the most of this different character, I think. When this uh, immediate quarantine threat is over, we see that guy with the advanced carcinoma and think, wait a minute, we've seen that before. And sure enough, we have. I find it odd that Alternate America is so different in some ways, like different presidents on different banknotes, and yet other things are exactly parallel. But it's still fun to spot the differences. Now we see Walter and Olivia and others hiding at the back of that room, and we think, what? how did they get there? Then we see Zeppelins, Twin Towers, and a red-themed opening title. I really like that. That diagram from The Observer about that machinery reminded me of uh, Fritz Lang's Metropolis. No need for random snow globes, tuning forks or metronomes, just a coffee cup is enough for Brandon's explanation of the fragility of things or people flipping between realities. I thought it was great how these various cortexophon children from previous uh, isolated stories have now all come back in a collective effort, kind of winding their individual stories into the overall theme in an effort to get Olivia and others over there. Although seeing that positive energy making Broyles laugh so much is a bit alarming. Okay, so the rules are don't get them wet, don't feed them after midnight and don't go using up all the special powers just before the most challenging mission they're ever supposed to take. But do they listen? No. Although I quite like how we only found out they weren't supposed to go and use their powers so much later. That was quite a good way of setting that up. And then we see the opening of the episode again, but now with the knowledge of who's gone over there. Statue of Liberty is looking pretty shiny, which is, I believe, how it did look when it was first installed. I like the recap showing uh, Walternet's view of the history of worlds, so we can see everything that they understood from from their perspective. Some good uh, team banter and joking between the alternate fringe team, but remember, they aren't worms.
that bit about you can't get on the bus without the show me, the formal ID, did that actually happen in the United States the last few years? I heard it was a possibility to uh, restrict the flow and movement of undocumented people, but I don't actually know if it really happened. Peter and his mother got a wonderful reconciliation, which must be more than either of them ever expected. The other Cortexophon kids are seriously struggling, and they reach their ends in various dramatic ways and completely burn up Lincoln. I can't see how he's going to survive that. Olivia tracks down Folivia and meets Belle. Alas, those kids weren't saved by the bell. Seems like it's already... For a finale showdown. Take care, Alan from England. I have to return to Silo. I don't know how I got sidetracked. Uh, I think I'm about seven episodes in, something like that. I haven't I haven't gotten to the end of the season yet. Yeah, but. yeah, it's so funny. Like, cause Michael like showed, uh, like I got into it because he showed. I was sat in a classes where we show it. And I, I saw him today. I'm like. Dude, I watched Silo. He's like, oh, I have to get that. I have to watch that. I'm like, you haven't watched Silo? Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. You know. Well, uh, now, the other thing Alan mentions is Quantum Leap. And, you know, Alan, maybe you weren't around when we mentioned it before. One of our ex-students plays one of the leads, mm-hmm. Caitlin Bassett, who plays Addison. Uh, both of us taught. So, so uh, Well, I did. I didn't. Oh, you, you didn't? Oh, okay. I don't think I did. Okay. I think um, I went and looked back at my at my list. I did, I did oh, not. Okay. But you would think, though, with that connection, we would have watched Quantum Leap, and I didn't. Yeah, I, I yeah, I never got to the end of the season. Again, I'm not sure how I got sidetracked because I I was enjoying it, and I think I even mentioned it at the time I was like five episodes in before I realized. Wait a minute, she's that Caitlin Bassett. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, anyway. Yeah, um, I, I don't know, like I, I guess it was just kind of busy at the time and yeah because i don't think i didn't not like it but it just didn't strike me and certainly not as much as the original quantum leap did which i absolutely mm-hmm. loved yeah um, so you know i have paramount plus so maybe i'll go back and check out quantum leap okay. over the summer okay now i love the metropolis reference it's definitely a film i gotta rewatch it sometime uh no requirement in the u.s like show me's at least in reality i mean um <laughs> you know you don't even have to show uh id when you go to vote in most places maybe right all places yeah you just so, have uh, to say you know just give anyway. your name <laughs> yep which again could be problematic i guess yep what else um well i would just say that over there was written for actually world war one alan but it does recall a, a quote, which I'm sure um, Alan knows, that, uh, which my friends from Britain told me that was a saying that the people had for the American GIs that were over in England during World War II, but before when they were training over there. Um, and they said that they were uh, overpaid, oversexed, and over here. And then <laughs> and in response, the Americans would say underpaid, undersexed, and under Eisenhower, which is how they referred to the Brits. Nice. <laughs> all right alan fred thank you so much are we going a plus or are we sticking you know, with an I, a i'm not afraid to give this one a plus me either all yeah right. i think this was a really really good episode i've been gushing about it the whole time so to to have gushed about it for like 50 some minutes at the end say 
I think it's just a regular eye. You know, probably disingenuous. So, all right, sounds reasonable. And ordinarily, I I wait till I'm done editing before I watch the next episode. I don't know if I can wait this time. So uh, yeah, yeah, this is a this is probably I, I almost watched it right after you know I, I I finished this one, but yeah, I wanted to to wait and and put this get this podcast done before I yeah well i mean we have enough trouble not spoiling certain things right yeah we came close today we 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 had some we had some uh red alerts here (laughs) so all right well let's go ahead and leave it there that'll do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about fringe anything going on in your genre tv world check out the facebook group if you haven't already sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us and we'll be back next week to talk about season two episode 22 the season two finale over there part two but until then you know dave maybe we should have started doing foundation and come back to fringe season three you know but i don't know because just basically in the end we need to take responsibility for our own decisions good and bad